So, a Jewish rabbi, a Muslim imam, and a Christian preacher walk into a podcast. It sounds like a joke, but it's really a friendship. I'm Rabbi Jonathan Case from Beth Shalom Synagogue. I am Imam Omar Shaheed from Masjid As-Salam. And I am, although I don't sound like it today, I really am Reverend Ellen Fowler Skidmore of Forest Lake Presbyterian Church. I can testify to that. She is. <laughs> Thank you. I have my, this sinus infection has got my voice on a couple of registers lower, but we still are all here in body, mind, and spirit, and we are gathered here at Tables in Columbia, South Carolina, to welcome you to our podcast, Abraham's Table. As we're recording this, the Christian seasons of Advent and Christmas are just ending. And as a Christian myself, the observance and celebration of this season of faith is made even more intense because of the way Christmas has been embraced and I would say maybe even engulfed by American culture. It can be difficult to distinguish where our faith observance ends and the cultural observances begin as Christians. So I normally come out the other side of Advent and Christmas exhausted. Maybe that's part of the sinus infection. But I wondered what this crazy season that Christians call Christmas looks like from the outside. What does Christmas look like and feel like when one is not part of the Christian church? We, we know that Hanukkah has become more visible in the cultural celebrations. I wondered if that was due to economics or just an onslaught by the, an attempt by the Jewish community to protect themselves against this Christmas onslaught. I don't believe there's a concurrent holiday in the Muslim faith. So what do Muslims see and feel and experience when living through the cultural and faithful tidal wave that Christmas has become in America? So today... We invite thoughtful reflections on the observance of Christmas in America, both from the inside, me, and from the outside, Omar and Jonathan. Let's see what we can see. Come and gather with us around the shared table that belongs to our father, Abraham, as we talk about Christmas. Welcome to Abraham's Table. Interesting topic that we uh, are going to be addressing today. I think there's a lot to be said about it. (laughs) Yes. You remind me that... uh, the Americanization of maybe even the co-opting of uh, Christmas into uh, Americana is pretty overwhelming and pretty profound. That there, the Christmas is everywhere. Um, I think now it begins actually before Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. October. October. <laughs> right. Pretty soon it'll be September and then mm-hmm. August. And, right. Yeah. Right, a retailer's delight. Um, so, in some sense, it has become an American holiday. When I was uh, a young father with young children, I used to pack my kids in the car at the end of December and say, "Come on, guys, we're going to look at all the Christmas lights around." You know, it, it didn't represent um, a sense of having to um, feel like I was outnumbered or oppressed. It was a joyful ride that we took. Hey, look at that one. Look at all those lights. Can you imagine their bill? You know? <laughs> Wonder what Rudolph has to do with Christmas. Yeah, it's such a mix. Indeed, yeah. 
And it, it just it, parenthetic to this, by the way, is outside of America, it's interesting that the festival, the holiday, the Jewish holiday of tabernacles, which is called Sukkot, that comes in October, has become this great festive event in Israel where they put up Christmas lights <laughs> everywhere now. <laughs> you know, and so even the Americanization of Christmas has c- crept into um, foreign cultures as well in that sense. Do they give presents and all that stuff too? No, they just use the lights. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's not a Muslim holiday or any observance that goes about that time. Is there, Omar? It will uh, because of the lunar calendar and the rotation of Ramadan. So Ramadan could fall on Christmas? Oh, yeah, because uh, it's gonna, it should begin uh, around the 24th of March mm-hmm. this year. Uh, next year, it should begin around the 15th. And the next year, 11 days, it keeps coming. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we, we, we will be uh, together for uh, the Ramadan and for maybe the Eid celebration, or, but we will be together because of the At some rotation. point. Yeah, at some Man, point. that would be really a bummer. So no eggnog ice cream for you during the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I can say this, that... Uh, as uh, Jonathan was saying, he said uh, he used to pack the children in the car and they would travel. Well, we would, uh, because we have Christian relatives, my parents, uh, sisters and brothers, we would visit because we would eat with them. It was a time to eat and to family together. But we would tell, my mother always wanted to give the children, her grands, gifts. And we would say to her, we could, they, they could receive the gifts, no problem. But when our Ramadan, when our Eid celebrations came around, then we, they could give gifts to the parents and others. So it became educational. So they could receive gifts if, if your mom, out of her faith, wanted to give them, yeah. but they didn't participate by giving gifts back. In other words, their gift-giving was motivated out of their own faith yeah, calendar. Yeah, it, it would come when our uh, celebration came around. So that was an education because then Ramadan, or the Eid celebrations, became known, mm-hmm. okay, as well as the children being able to feel free to receive and the mothers and, and, and the others who wanted to give them gifts, I, you know, they didn't want to uh, be harsh or anything like that. But it was a educational experience. So that was creative because you don't normally give and receive gifts on Ramadan, right? Yes, we, we yes. Ah, yes, okay. We, we try to make sure that the children get the gift at the end of Ramadan because you want to make sure that they that they are connected. But I was laughing because the children would travel through the neighborhood and they would see the lights and the youngest son he used to say oh he was stuck on the lights uh, he just was excited by the lights but the, through education and through our practices uh, they began to understand now my youngest son he has twins two little girl and boy well his wife is Catholic so they went to the mall and my youngest, uh, my granddaughter was out there saying, Merry Christmas to everybody. 
man, he had he said, Oh, the Muslim in the mall said, Merry Christmas to everybody. That was his daughter. He just had fun. But it's a good time. It's a joyous time for them. So do they celebrate both? Uh, that's what we're going to... Figure it, out. Yeah, it's not a Christmas tree or anything in the home. They don't have that. Uh, okay. They don't say Santa's going to bring toys. Yeah. Don't make you laugh, though. <laughs> you know what? I grew up in the Christian faith, right? Right. So I remember one time my twin brother and I, we said uh, we found the toys up in the <laughs> attic that was hidden. So my father, we, we were doing something. My mother said, if you, don't you all... You keep acting up. Santa's not going to bring you any toys. So we said, we didn't say anything. We just said, uh, we'll be good. Santa's already got them on layaway up in the attic is what you knew, huh? Yeah. So, so, so really to cushion everything, we try to be polite. Mm-hmm. We don't try to talk down. We encourage the congregation. I think I sent you something. You wish me Merry Christmas. Yeah. You uh, sent me a text to wish me Merry Christmas. I did. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Happy Holiday <laughs> and a Happy New Year. But yes, well, I did reach out to you uh, because uh, I didn't say Merry Christmas. I thought yeah, I, said I think happy you. Ho- I think you did say Happy Holidays, but yeah. but you were but you doing. Knew. I knew that you were doing it on on Christmas because you recognized yeah. that I was observing. Yes, that was the way I took it. Yes, and uh, my family, you know, we try to communicate. I think the worst thing we can do as a religious community is to disparage or put down somebody else. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Right. We have to respect that. Well, but then I guess the Christians have to look again because, and that didn't, it didn't a problem in this congregation, but I know there's some places where people will say it's not happy holidays. It's it's put the Christ back in Christmas. And I, mm. I, I get it. it there is the, this whole... <laughs> celebration where there's just no space at all between the Christian observance and Santa and the Mm. Christian observance and the cultural uh, economic engine that Christmas has become. There's no space in in the culture, and sometimes there's no space in the discernible space in the lives of Christians, and that's a that's a real problem. So whereas maybe you're looking at it from the outside, I'm being swept along by the river, whether I like it or not. And I've sort of taken to sort of fewer decorations mm-hmm. and a less is more approach to presence and some of that sort of stuff because it can just be so overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Can I inject just one more thing? Yeah. When I was in Saudi Arabia in 1987, we stayed there for a year for study. During Ramadan... The visitors, the four persons who were not Saudis that were working there and doing other things, when Ramadan came, a lot of the businesses at that time would be closed during the day and would open up at sunset. That's when people would go out. They had to kind of blend into that and be impacted by the fact that there was no eating on the outside for those people who were not fasting, no, who were not Muslim. So I kind of, I saw the inducements coming from that environment. And I said to the Muslim community, uh, we're in an environment of culture that's full of inducements. So we're going to get it either way. Just be intelligent and know what we're about. All right. When you say inducements, do you mean, so just like the the non-Muslims in Saudi Arabia during Ramadan accommodated 
and observe the schedule. So as a Muslim in America, do you is there some sort of accommodation or observance of a just like as things are all closed, just well, not closed, take but the, the, the lights, like yeah, you the mentioned, lights. the lights yeah. and, the, and the music. Yeah, I find myself singing out the Nat King Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Chestnuts. Chestnuts. <laughs> you want to sing us a bar? Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, but but I'm saying that uh, we're going to feel it. It's going to be. It's there yeah. uh, because of the culture and because mm-hmm. of the lights, because of so many other wonderful things. I would say. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts to this. Yes. Uh, one one of them that's kind of almost ancillary that you brought up with Ramadan coming this year on the 24th of March. I think you said. Yes. So you know, we, we the Jewish people as well as the Muslim people observe the lunar calendar. Yes. And I don't know if it's an accident or serendipity, but the holiday of Hanukkah comes on the 25th of the lunar month. Mm-hmm. So what is... Well, we rotate now. So next year right. we'll, we'll be around the 16th. We'll start right. 16th. But we will, we will be participating because it's 30, we have 30 days. Right. So is it going to be next year still on the 25th? Always, because we intercalate okay. the year. But the fact that it's the 25th of the lunar calendar and the fact that Christmas is the 25th of the solar calendar mm. is just an interesting – I don't think it's a coincidence. I think there's more than that, but I'm not wise enough to, tell, to say what it actually portends, what it means. But another one of these moving parts is that it's um, – going back to the Americanization of Christmas, it's very easy to be swept up into the commercialism – Speaking as somebody that's not Christian, yes, very easy to be swept up into that. Yes, and Hanukkah, just speaking about that for a moment, is a very minor holiday. It's you know it's a blip on the radar screen of Jewish holidays, and for many Jewish people, it is the premier Jewish holiday now, because I'm I, I want to bite my tongue by put, phrasing it this way, but it's almost the infantilization of the holiday mm. that it's being catered to children. And their wants and their needs. And I wondered if it it begins to show up bigger. Hanukkah begins to show up bigger in the American culture because it's just so the commercialization is so insidious and the the uh, commercials are so effective. I mean, to I heard an interview with a reformed Jew who they had basically taken this gift giving piece and they had put it in a in a Jewish language package, in the same way that Christians have taken this gift-giving piece and put it in a Christian package. There's nothing in the Bible that says you got to spend $2,000 on Christmas every year. There just isn't. There were three presents. None of them needed batteries or putting put together or had anything about them. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, nothing a kid would like were the presents. And they had to do with foreshadowing the life of Christ. As as king, as martyr, as as prophet, it's very hard in America, I think, to be spiritual, <coughs> because American civilization as a whole is not spiritual. We're we're very, we're very mercantile oriented. We're very um, oriented towards capitalism, and right. and that steers the boat many times. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I? I've told Jonathan this story, but can, that's a great segue. I would love to tell this story and. 
give my Reformed Rabbi friend Daniel Sherman a, a shout-out, because for many years, Daniel, who's now in Florida, was at the Reformed Synagogue here in Columbia, and he had a little boy who was a little bit younger than my crew, my girls, but he told me one time that he, his wife was from Florida, so they said, hey, the kids are out of school, let's take advantage of this and let's go see your parents. And we'll go to the beach because the Christians will all be busy and we'll have the beach to ourselves. So they got in the car to drive down to Florida, and he said, we were already committed and out of South Carolina, and we suddenly realized, you know what, we think this is Christmas Eve. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. Everything's going to be closed. We didn't pack sandwiches. What are we going to do? we got to get some supper for the kids before we get to where we're going, and everything's going to be closed. Oh, my gosh, we should have thought ahead. And he said, so we got where we were staying, and not only was everything not closed, but there was an hour-long wait at every restaurant. And so we said, oh, my gosh, well, maybe maybe whatever Christians do, it's not on Christmas Eve. So they got, we got, like, fast food dinner, got the kids settled, and they said, okay, good. Then tomorrow, it must be the Christians do stuff tomorrow, so we will have the beach to ourselves. He said, so they got up, they got their... Shorts on, they went down to the beach, and he said, Ellen, the beach was packed. There were people in their pajamas. They had brought their Christmas trees. They were opening presents. (laughs) He looked at me. He said, what do you Christians do for Christmas? And I just thought that's just such a, a great indictment. What do we Christians do for Christmas? Uh, clearly, we eat out, and we go to the beach, and we do presents. Mm-hmm. And a good portion of my folks will come to worship on Christmas Eve. This year, Christmas fell on a Sunday morning, and so I really was not all that hopeful. But we ended up with a, a good congregation, not, not a massive congregation, but there were good faithful folks in this church who did Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, but but I would say that was the minority. So, mm. wow. Tough competition. Yes. I, I just want to mention something about the uh, coming back to how Christmas is celebrated in this society, the culture. It forces us in the Muslim community to put more emphasis on our celebrations our holiday because we want to make sure that again that we have the proper recognition of our holidays but also in some of the cities the largest cities they're given time off from school it's, it's being recognized in the in, in the public school settings for Ramadan and well, what for, else for, for the Eid celebration for the Eid yeah. that, in America normally we have one day in some of your Muslim countries, they'll have three days of celebration. And explain again, Eid. We've done this before, but it's been a, a couple of months since well, we did. Well, there's a celebration that comes after the month of fasting. The month called the month of the Quran, and it's to recognize completing Ramadan. So that's called Eid, Eid al-Fitr. It, it is a, a time when we come out together, all. Of we're invited to just, just show up at the locations. We try to have locations where many people come together, but some would have our different uh, ob- observances. But is, it becomes the end of the season of Ramadan? Or just, just for Ramadan. 
it becomes the end of Ramadan, that right. month. Right. And so we, we, we share, make sure the children have gifts and we be with each other, we, we eat together, we enjoy each other, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's a joyous time to be thankful. See, you know, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about this before, but in Christian tradi- theological tradition, the four weeks that lead up to Christmas are called not Christmas but Advent. Advent, okay. And the four weeks before Christmas are intended to be about the hoping and the longing. Mm-hmm. It's not about celebration. It's about recognizing that the world is broken and that we need a Savior. And so this year, actually, at Forest Lake, we did hoping and longing, and we talked about grief and anger and division and, and, for dis- four weeks, and four despair weeks. for the yeah. weeks before for the leading weeks up before. to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's about why... Why is it good news that Jesus would, that God would come into the world in human form? Mm-hmm. Because things are broken and we need. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but it's really hard to tell that from a general celebration of Christmas because you're right. After Halloween, it's Katie bar the door, <laughs> and uh, there's not much about hoping and longing, grief, mm-hmm. despair, and division. Uh, or, you know, grief that happens. Now but, you, you you said scripturally speaking now, you, but it's not just in the culture per se. It's the scripture mandated. Uh, the scripture talks. The the scriptures that are read during okay. the season mm-hmm. that leads up to Christmas mm-hmm. have to do with prophetic promises. Is that emphasized much? It is in worship. At least it is here, but not. It's hard to. That's what I'm saying. It's really hard to see in the culture. Mm-hmm. And and there actually, we get pressure because there are Advent hymns, and typically the tenor of those Advent hymns are longing and hoping and come, come Lord Jesus, come, and the the sadness and the brokenness that's answered by the Christmas. But folks want to rush Christmas. So like, let's not sing these sad, slow Advent hymns. Let's, let's get to, you know, joy to the world and heart the herald angels sing. But the assigned, the traditions, the theological traditions of the Christian church across the board are that those weeks leading up to Christmas are supposed to be intercessory, longing, wishing, recognizing the need. So it almost sounds like one is building up to a crescendo when you reach the holiday of Christmas. i got a question for you in a second about the words Merry Christmas, but I'm going to back burn to that for a second okay. and just because there, there's a, a point of a contextual connection here too. That um, in the Jewish tradition, before the new year begins, what we call Rosh Hashanah, there are 30 days of prep that we do, where each day we count <laughs> the days um, as we get closer and closer to the new year, so that so that when the new year arrives, we find ourselves spiritually ready mm-hmm. to accept what the King of the Universe wants wants of us. And that is as a build up. And it seems to me, just contextually, again with this build up. If Christians, or Jews for that matter, in the context of the build-up for Rosh Hashanah or the build-up for Christians, don't prepare for that ultimate crescendo, the crescendo point is missed. Right. Or, or it becomes a cultural crescendo. That's what happens. So mm. you, you go home, you eat too much, you open too many presents, you spend too much money, and then you collapse. And the, the, the crescendo in terms of the Christian faith really isn't Christmas. The crescendo in terms of the Christian faith is Easter. Uh-huh. And so you've got 
four weeks of preparation that lead up to Christmas, and then you've got six weeks of lead up that should be directly pointed at repentance before Easter. And the, the only blessing of Easter is the culture has a really hard time finding much to sell right up until Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't get Lenten peeps. Right. <laughs> New clothes and all that jazz. That's real focused on one weekend. So Easter is almost gets a holy reprieve from some of the economic machine. So let me go back to this Merry Christmas thing. I may not know the answer. Okay. So Ask it anyway. Why Why is it Merry Christmas and not a joyful... What, what's, what's the word Merry there? Uh, yeah, I told you I didn't know. I don't know. I think maybe it's just an old English form, mm. Merry Christmas. It's so hard to know what to say to people of other faith. And I think I told Jonathan one time, there's a, a one of the Orthodox... Uh, members of the Orthodox Jewish congregation walks in my neighborhood, and I was out walking on Friday, and I saw him, I said, um, ha, happy Sabbath. <laughs> and I thought, you idiot. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to get pushback from me. I'm, I'm, you say whatever you want to say. I don't know where Merry Christmas is just, I think it's sort of an old English form. Yeah. Because Mary just ha- the word Mary has certain connotations in my mind about not spiritual, not religious. No, no, mm. not at all. Or do you think that should be Holy Christmas, shouldn't it, or Holy Advent? That's why during the Advent season, when I write my newsletters and stuff, so I'll say Holy Advent, mm. <laughs> and then at the end I'll say Holy Christmas. <laughs> but that's not the cultural piece. Do you think that a rethinking is being done? I heard you mention something about uh, trying to get the connection there, mm-hmm. there, you know, with Christmas. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And I hope it's of a different tenor than what I re- mentioned before, where some parts of the folks say, you know, they don't want anybody in any any cultural context to say happy holidays. They want it all to be Merry Christmas. But mm-hmm. that's about, there's a part of that that's about you got to be Christian whether you want to be or not. We're going to say Merry Christmas because that's the holiday. But I hope there's a rethinking from a standpoint of humility and that sense of acknowledging that things are broken and that we indeed do need a force larger than ourselves. We do, in fact, need a Savior. That, that would be the language that I would use, that there has to be a rethinking. There's a whole movement, but it, it frankly, it doesn't... It's there, but it's not as loud as I wish it were, that calls for the simplification of the celebration of Christmas. Like Jonathan was saying, maybe it will move back because you introduced, even before Thanksgiving, there's a push, and it's more of the, uh, I guess, the, 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 the business people to sell merchandise, to sell goods, yeah. and people are competing to find out who can give the biggest gift sometime. And and dis- disappointing if they don't get that. And and I'm I am I have to disclaim right front I'm not a big decorator that's just, I'm just not good at that I appreciate beauty but I can't really create it and there are families in this church who do just weeks and weeks and weeks of decorating and that's not my skill set or my interest so that just the thought of it just exhausts me but I. I wonder and I hope, does the energy that goes into that celebration, is it a spiritual discipline or is it a cultural mm. press? Well, just to answer your question, the impact of that environment, 
what's happening during that time, the lights mm-hmm. and the very other thing. They have a big impact upon the youth, the young mm-hmm. people in our, you know, community. And that's that's natural, you know. Do any of your people say, can we have a Christmas tree? No. <laughs> but <laughs> Mine have. But I've, I've heard mm. that. See, 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 in the Islamic religion, if you... If you're married to a person that's not Muslim, you cannot uh, suppress or deny them the expressions of what they believe. So we have some Muslims, especially some of the ones from the Middle East and other countries that have married into families. Who, so if they have that, and I've heard that some do, well, that come from other countries, you can't suppress it. It has to be something that you, if you don't believe in it, you have to respect it. And the husband and wife agree on what to do. Yeah. 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 I want to go back to driving and looking at all those lights again, just to <laughs> take, us, take us back in the car and back in You should come d- on December. my neighborhood. They got a fella, he, he lights up the whole place block just about. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got a date for next December. <laughs> I, y- y'all got to do something while I'm working. <laughs> So I, I got to tell you that it, it does bring a sense of entertainment and joy. Mm-hmm. It's for somebody who is not Christian to be driving along the street and to, or to be greeted when I go into the, the, the grocery mart. If somebody says, whether it's happy holidays or Merry Christmas to me, mm. it's a nice thing. It, it, it is buoyant. It makes, it makes for more joy to be present. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a gift to everyone. On the positive side, that's a, that's a wonderful gift. There is a huge amount of charitable giving in the Christian tradition that's tied to Christmas. Not only giving of gifts, but there really is a big tradition of charitable yeah. giving. So mm-hmm. the nonprofits, and, and if you go to, we try to find a service project to do at Christmas. Well, every feeding program is full because yeah. the church is thought ahead to get ahead of us. So, you know, I mean, if you want to help, they come back in July. Nobody's there. But everybody's trying to do something between Thanksgiving and Christmas, mm-hmm. um, interestingly enough. Well, like Jonathan was saying, not to cut you off, mm-hmm. but uh, people say, you know, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays. I used to say, hey, peace be unto you. Mm-hmm. So it rings well. Like That's you said, your response, yeah. Yeah, peace be unto you. And uh, it is a season of peace, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so we say, peace be unto you, fist right in and uh, it, but like you said, people connecting with each other mm-hmm. is very, very important. And eating together, we can do that together. Yeah, you let me mention this: when I was in Palestine, Jerusalem, there were Palestinian Christians who, well, the, the Muslims, I guess they would be the largest in terms of the Palestinians, because the Palestinian Jews, Palestinian Christians too, right? But they, the Palestinian. Muslim, we went to Jerusalem to the where the uh, they were celebrating the Christmas day, but the Palestinians were, were telling us that they would eat because they were family. The Christians and the Muslims, they were family. Okay, so they would eat with each other. They wouldn't celebrate each other's holidays per se, but they would eat with each other because eating has a, a bonding. You know, it's, it's very good. So. That played well into how we lived in America with our Christian relatives. 
and that was a great impact. But when I was in Saudi Arabia, they had no Christian family. They had no, you know, they didn't have that kind of makeup. So their kind of understanding was different. Mm-hmm. But the, what I saw there with the mixed background of relatives, I, I, I saw that as, uh, like you said, eating is a, it's bonding. It's, it's, it's coming together. It's something mm-hmm. we can do together. Oh, yeah. Well, anything else that Christians need to see from the outside that you know, about Christmas? I, I was just thinking about Christmas. Is, you know, when you're swimming and you're swimming, this is the danger of a riptide, right? You're swimming with a current, and you think, man, I am a strong swimmer. I am good. And then it isn't until you turn around to swim against the current that you realize how much of your swimming was a current. And I, I, I wonder, when, when the culture is the tailwind for Christmas, what would happen if the culture tailwind was not there, and you have sort of the opportunity to, to, to see that riptide or that tailwind in a way that I just can't see it. Mm-hmm. I th- I, well, we, we spoke about very many of the negative aspects of the commercialization of Christmas and that, but there are these very positive aspects as well that people are more likely to give, mm-hmm. more likely to be friendly, to shout a hello, Less likely to cut you off on the highway, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I mean, those those things yeah. are, are are things that are just wonderful attributes that spread through American culture and are assets, I think, to our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And then it gives us time off too. That's what I wondered. Is yeah, well, do y'all actually get a sense that things slow down? Oh yes, because offices are closed and yes, no, no, I no, do. because precisely for that reason, there's a whole lot of scheduling that does happen during the during that time of celebrations or learnings mm-hmm. or opportunities to go out and schedule events where people do have time off. So you're saying that the synagogue uses that time off that the culture provides. To indeed. do things that, yeah, indeed that we the do. synagogue wants to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. So does your schedule get busier? It's pretty static, okay. um, but it remains somewhat busy. I mean, I'm sure that I could see the majority of my congregation on Christmas Day at a, at a Chinese restaurant. Having said that... <laughs> you might see some of mine, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I, it, gives, it gives us a break, you know, again... There are those who would travel from place to place. They take time to, to use that for travel, and they often work. So things are closed. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you all helping me see. I, d- I just wondered what it looked like from the outside. So shall we stop? It's better than you think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us at Abraham's Table. This podcast is a labor of love produced by us, Imam Omar Shahid, Rabbi Jonathan Case, and Reverend Ellen Fowler Skidmore, with musical gifts shared with us by Kyle Lovett from his piece, Shofar Worship, on Spotify. We hope that you have enjoyed our conversations, and we hope that you will share them with your friends and family. You are invited to communicate with us via email at abrahamstablesc at gmail.com. And from Columbia, South Carolina, and until we meet again, we wish you 
Shall I say Merry Christmas? God's, God's peace. Yes. Assalamu alaikum. And a very happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Shalom Aleichem. Peace to your heart and to your soul. Amen. Amen. <laughs>